1: All right, before I get to my next guest, Mark Wiebe, I want to give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Finn Cycles. It's time to rethink golf. The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing Finn Cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finnscooters.com and click on Find a Finn for a course that has them near you. I also want to give another shout-out to our friends over at the McLemore. The McLemore Top community rests atop the highlands of Lookout Mountain, Georgia, overlooking historic McLemore Cove and Pigeon Mountain. Surrounded on all sides by state and national parks, historic land districts, and private land trusts, the resort features an 18-hole Reese Jones and Bill Bergen championship course, a gated residential community, and a planned clubhouse opening in the fall of 2020, plus planned hotel and conference center. Atlanta, Nashville, Knoxville, Birmingham, and Huntsville, and just 35 minutes from downtown Chattanooga, voted number one best town in America two years in a row by Outside Magazine. While a private course, Mclemore offers stay and play packages for guests in club managed properties, as well as a number of membership opportunities, including social memberships, non-resident memberships, and corporate memberships as well. For more information, please visit Mclemore online at the or give them a call at 800. 800- 3298154 All right, now back in making his ninth appearance with me is 2013 senior open champion and one of the top instructors in the game now, Mark Wiebe. Let me remind you about Mark's background. He's from Seaside, Oregon and grew up in Escondido, California, played his college golf at Palomar Junior College and then transferred to San Jose State. While at Palomar, he was the individual medalist at the 1977 California Amateur, and he won the Idaho Amateur that year as well. He was named second-team All-American in 1979 at San Jose State. That season, he and Don Levin teamed together to win the Silverado Invitational in Napa, California. He turned pro in 1980 and started on the PGA Tour in 1983 got his first career win at the 1985 Anheuser-Busch Classic when he beat John Mahaffey with a birdie on the first playoff hole. He won again the following year at the Hardee's Golf Classic by one shot over Kurt Byram, thanks to a birdie on the 17th hole during the final round. Mark matched Bobby Watkins' record for being the youngest winner on the Champions Tour at 50 years and 10 days old when he won the 2007 SAS Championship. In 2013, he won the Senior Open Championship at Royal Birkdale, defeating Bernhard Langer on the fifth playoff hole after a final round, 66. He doubled down a few weeks later, winning the Pacific Lynx Hawaii Championship and a playoff over Corey Pavin. In all, he won eight times as a professional, twice on the PGA Tour, five times on the Champions Tour, plus the 1986 Colorado Open. He was inducted into the Colorado Golf Hall of Fame in 2011. You can now find him out in Scottsdale, Arizona. So folks, if you're looking to take your game to the next level and you're anywhere near Scottsdale, reach out to Mark on his website, markwebegolf.com. And I'm thrilled he is back with me again tonight here on Next On the Tee. Hey Mark, how are you, my friend? Chris, I,
2: I just have to say night time. Yes. Yeah. Wow, I'm I feel like one of those guys on Saturday Night Live that has hosted so many times. I feel like I should be in a club or something.
1: (laughs) Indeed. I can't believe, you know, hey, look, I'm as honored as I could possibly be to be able to say you've been on the show eight previous times, and I get to have you for a night, so you're outstanding, my friend. Thank you for uh, all your support over the years.
2: Oh, you're you're way too nice. I, I appreciate being on, and always a good time talking to you.
1: So Mark, I, I got to congratulate you for your son Gunnar gets uh, gets a big win at the Assistant uh, PGA Professional Championship over the weekend. You got to be a proud dad.
2: I am super proud. Uh, way exciting. It's a it's a long story, probably too long for the show. But uh, Gunnar kind of said, "Okay, Dad, I need you to come and and you can't gallery and you can't." out there during the tournament but we can go down early and I need some help with my game so uh, we had a great trip out uh, got there on a Sunday night and I left on Tuesday night to come home but we just kind of focused on his game and what it was going to take for him to you know have a successful tournament and uh, lo and behold he had a very successful tournament so it's a. It was really fun for me, obviously as his dad, but also as as his coach, and he's my coach, and we have a great relationship outside of the father son. So it was really a a great time for me to be involved in a little way, um, on just kind of steering him in the right direction, and we talked. Just great. We just had a great time together, although it's, it's always short. Uh, when you're with your kids, especially during the COVID time, uh, but we had a great time uh, together and talked about, like I said, what it was going to take to, you know, buy in this tournament, have a chance to win it, and like I said, wow, it, it was so cool to see that all happen and see him stand up and and hopefully uh, he uh, learned everything and I I learned always I always. But uh, just to watch him reach his goal, his ultimate goal for the week, was
1: fantastic.
2: And like I said, to be just a small part of that was even made up more special for me. Good for you.
1: Mark, I got got to have you answer something for me. I had Owen Brown on the first segment tonight. And uh, as uh, we were parting ways at the end of uh, our, our conversation, he said, Hey, say hi to Weeb's for me, and, and just start out the conversation by saying, "Hey, man." He'll know what it means. Yeah. What is? Well, what does that mean? Olin and I and Steve. Pay, these you have to
2: be a golfer to know these names, but Olin and I, and Steve Pay, for whatever reason, each time we saw each other, it was always, "Hey, man, how's it going?" "Hey, man," "Hey, man." So we we called it kind of unofficially the "Hey, man" club. And uh, we've we've been saying, saying that together for I don't know how many years now. We're
0: getting older,
2: uh, but this dates back to the tour life, not just the senior tour. Uh, but we've just been kind of buddies for that long. That's what golf does for you. It's such a great game in that way that it, you know you have you create these friendships. Uh, I, I heard you say that you haven't met someone on on your earlier segment. But you've texted back and forth and you're dear friends, isn't that something? That golf can do that. So yeah. uh Steve Steve Pay, Brown and myself were were the three amigos to the Heyman Club. And uh, you know, Olin's a dear friend of mine and will be forever, and so is Steve Payne. So uh I'm honored to be with them in the Heyman Club that nobody even knows about. <laughs> what?
1: Let's talk about another exclusive club as I was doing some more research on you. Back in 1989 at the U.S. Open at Oak Hill, you, Doug Weaver, Jerry Pate, and Nick Price all made hole-in-ones on the par-3-6 hole in about a two-hour span of time. You're now the four aces out there. Talk about that. Well,
2: uh wow, I have tons of emotions about that. Uh First and foremost is we're in the hall of fame for that. So isn't that something, um, that's just kind of a coup. Uh, but you know, I, 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 play, obviously I played that morning and, uh, I, I heard it was an hour and 50 minutes, four aces. And I heard the first two because it's the sixth hole and I was on the course. So, and you know, where it, Coming from, you know, the course, and you know, and the, when the first one happens, you go, Oh, hold on on six, because you know where it you know, the direction that that the cheers are coming from. And so you, you know, you go, Oh, that's cool. And then you play a hole or two or however long it was. And then you hear another roar and you kind of look at each other like, Wow, that sounded like the same spot. It sounds like it's over on six, but it might be five. It was second shot over water, and it might be dramatic. But then you kind of hear it through the through all the gallery and, the, you know, the whole officials on their walkie-talkies going, hey, another hole-in-one and, and yada, yada. And I'm, we're all kind of going, wow, that's crazy. So uh, I'm playing number five, and I, I made a, a bonehead move, and I hit it in the water on my second shot, and I was very angry at myself. And uh, I made a double bogey and I walked to the T and I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was, I was really, for me, I was pretty angry with myself because it wasn't a, you know, golfers, we can, we can tolerate bad breaks and, and, uh, and this and that. But when it's a mental error, uh, it's hard because we're the only, we're the only ones in charge of our mental error. There's no one else we can blame it. Inevitably, it's us. So I went to that next tee, and I had made a bad mental error, and I was so mad at myself that I, I, could, I didn't even hardly talk to my caddy. He gave me the yardage, and I remember hitting my shot. I hit a great shot, and, I, and obviously it went in. Uh, I was the third of the four aces. And I remember handing Cameron Whittle, my caddy at the time, my seven iron. And I said, well, that takes care of that double bogey, doesn't it? So I didn't even rejoice at the time that I was one of three at the time to make a hole-in-one. I was still so mad at losing two shots in the event, the major championship that I'm playing in. All I could think about was, well, I got those two shots back. It didn't matter how I got them back. I'm I'm trying to buy in the tournament and, and, and beat something. And, I will. I will also say. I-, I wish I had that to do over again because I'd probably rejoice a little bit more in the moment. Maybe not be so hard on myself. But you know what? Hindsight's 2020. So uh, uh, anyway, yes, I am one of those four knuckleheads that made a hole in one. It's a great bar that You're gonna know. I am sure it is. Uh, uh, and you're gonna know. All, and Nick Price, obviously, and then you might know me. From I, I had won at the time. I had won a couple tournaments. Doug Weaver, no chance you're going to know who that is. So, although I I know Doug, obviously. I played with, uh, many tours with him and stuff. I knew exactly who it was. But as a bar bat, you're not going to come up with that name.
1: Mark, we're obviously talking a lot about the Masters tonight on the show. And you had an opportunity to play in the tournament a few times. What are some of your favorite memories from uh, playing at Augusta National?
2: well i will tell you uh you know i that's my that's the major i've played in the fewest times uh i only played in 3 masters although some people would say only that's a lot but you know when you look at guys that have played years and years and years and years uh i'm just a rookie uh but i will tell you that the the air is so thick um with spirit and golf And uh, that it's hard to take a breath. I will, I'm not, I'm not making that up. That's a, it's a, it's a different feeling than I've had anywhere. And I think maybe it's because I watched it on TV my whole childhood. Um, I was nervous at all the Mains, the PGA, the U.S. Open and the British, but never liked the Masters. Masters had, had more of a, wow uh undefined I wasn't I don't know if I was scared, but I was out of my element. I didn't get it. I didn't I didn't know why I was feeling like this. And uh that that's what that brought to me and I will tell you by the third time I played I actually felt kinda normal. Um I think I played my best for a few rounds. I still had that one round that the guys are shooting sixty five and I'm thinking I I don't know how to cheat to shoot that so, uh, I I was just trying to, you know, tread water. I guess I I just never had the game. Uh, I I didn't think anyway to play that golf course and and have a chance to win. And I I will say in all the other tournaments I played in, I always felt like you know if I played good, I had a chance to to be in contention at the end. And I never saw myself at Augusta in the Masters. I never visualized that. I never pictured it. I, it was hard for me. Uh, it's, it's not an easy golf course. I mean, the, the players now make make it look so easy. I mean, watching Dustin Johnson this week, and, and not just him. He, I mean, obviously he played better than everyone else, but so many players. It seems like there's 13 is an easy we reach it in two hole, and all you have to do is is, and that all-you-have-to-do part is not as easy as TV makes it look. It just makes it look so automatic, and, oh, yeah, they they all hit good drives on 13 and 15, and they all hit a big drive and hook it on 14 and have a little club in. That's just not true, and and it's too bad because, you know, we all see the people that are playing the greatest, but uh, Augusta's not easy Although although in watching it this year in November which is even silly to say, uh totally a different golf course than the one I watched on T V and the one I played three times. Um very softer, way slower greens until maybe on late Saturday and then Sunday I think they had some speed. Uh but but flying the ball pin high on eleven you know, with an iron shot and having it down the green. Uh, That stuff just didn't happen when I was playing. I I, I don't think it happened for anyone. We all had to kind of make it curve as it, after it hit the ground, we had to make it curve towards the hole so it wouldn't go over or in a bunker or in the water. (laughs) You know, it it was so demanding. And not that it's not demanding now, but it is a, I, I really felt like this was a different Augusta. Uh, the thing that's so cool about that is you had number one still winning it. So it's incredible uh, how that all works out. And what what Greg Goff, uh, Dustin Johnson played, unbelievable.
1: And, Mark, to your point, how difficult was it or how long did it take you? To learn, you know, how to hit those greens, where to hit it on those greens, and then how to putt those greens.
2: Well, that's the deal. I mean, you know, a little bit of that is luck. We all try to hit it below the cup on
1: certain holes,
2: and Augusta has more certain holes than other courses. So, I mean, it's imperative, if you want to play aggressive, to be able to putt uphill if you can, because even those are fast. Uh to do that, but, but you're also back there uh, in the fairway, hopefully, with an iron shot that you're hoping you can get it, have an uphill putt. You're also hoping to get it on because it could take a ramp and be off the green and be into a shot you have never practiced. Or if you have it hasn't been very long. So there, there's all that lurking. So as you're over your second shot, you know that in the back of your mind, what's lurking up there um and it's 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 hard it's a lot of pressure on each shot um I think in today's golf there's more uh I'm going to go for it and if I do it right I'm going to win and I might win by a lot and if I don't oh well there's always next week. so uh I, I I do see a lot of a lot more guys playing so aggressive and, and at the at think just at the end of their game and I feel like when I played I think that was maybe more of let's see how things go. The first two rounds, you're kind of adjusting and and organizing your way into the weekend, on what you you know for your score, not only just to be in the hunt but just for your score, and it it just is so demanding. And and I got to tell you, it spiritually it's a thick it's a thick air situation. It 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 feels like it's ghostly in a way, Um, whereas the PGA, the U.S. Open, and and the British had that same mystique to it. It just didn't kind of grab you so much. It just uh, um, they they all have their own obviously their own their own amount in in the scheme of things. But uh, I think Augusta because we saw so much of it on TV as a child, I, I watched it. You know, I watched Tom Watson was my favorite golfer, and I watched Jack beat him so many times. And you know, my life crumbled for a couple of days. And uh, uh, anyway, I, I I think that that's what brings on that uh, mystique or whatever that word is that I'm searching for uh, on Augusta. But I have to tell you, is not it great? Wasn't it great to watch in our COVID times? Wasn't it so cool to see? Golf, you know, even without a gallery, it was so fun for me I, indeed that was fantastic so mark, why was why your guy? You know I'm not sure i I think because he was taller and i'm six three so i I seem to be as a golfer anyway uh one of the taller guys, um all through junior golf and and even college golf, I was one of the taller guys and many tours tour and uh so i i think i just kind of watched it was at the time that jack was the guy and i watched this guy tom weiskopf he was taller and he had this swing that was un uh mesmerized and looked like it was so efficient and he could never hit a bad shot heaven forbid um and he just carried himself in a way that was uh was there was something about him Uh, The funny thing is, years go by, so I'm a Weisskopf guy. Years go by, and I'm playing with his little brother, Dan, in a college tournament. And Tom came out to watch his little brother, Dan, who I'm playing with. And then I walked with Tom Weisskopf in a college tournament for, I don't know, the last five or six holes. and just asked him questions, and all of a sudden, the college tournament meant zero to me. Um, Although it meant a lot. I, I was so into. Kept telling myself, I'm walking with Tom Weisskopf, I'm asking him questions, and he's answering. I think I called my dad that night. Said, "Hey, guess what I did today? You know, no big deal, but guess what I did." Uh, so th- times like that are uh, are priceless, aren't they?
1: Indeed. And Mark, you have a uh, a special connection to another golf course that's hosted major championship, Cherry Hills Country Club there in uh, your home state of Colorado. And as I was going back, uh, like I said, doing research on you, um, going back to the PGA championship that was held there in 1985, you're playing in a a major, you're playing in a golf tournament, and then afterwards you're getting in the car looking for a house to buy there. Talk about your decision that you wanted to live there. Well.
2: Uh, you know, we had my wife's sister and her husband and two small kids were living there at the time, and and, uh, and my wife's uncle and aunt were living in Colorado Springs. So, uh, I, you know, here I am, a Southern California boy, and Kathy and I are trying to figure out a place we might like to live, and we've got some family there and love Colorado. All you have to do is go there and realize how much you love it. And, uh, so we said, you know what, the PGA is here. Let's use this time to look for a house. And, uh, you know, as fate would have it, that was our first place we bought. I think as, after we were married, we bought a little uh, town home, um, in Colorado, in Denver, outside of Denver in Highlands Ranch. And, that was just the first. That was the first part of 30 years living in Colorado. So uh, it all started with getting into the PGA. Now, if I don't play in the PGA, do we end up living there? Who knows? Uh, but I do remember, and then I end up becoming a member at Cherry Hill, which actually adds to the irony of the whole thing. Um, you know, it's one of those. I knew the right guy. That, that's the right guy. And he sponsored me and I was I got into Cherry Hills and was a member there for thirty years and absolutely one of the greatest times of not just my life but our, our family's life. Our kids grew up, you know, playing golf and swimming and taking being on the diving team, the swimming team, the tennis team, the golf team, uh, and doing it all right there at Cherry Hills. It was a great uh time for my wife and I to raise our kids and uh some some precious uh, memory for
1: us. Mark, that same year of 1985, you get your first PGA Tour victory at the Anheuser-Busch Classic. I'm curious, were, were you prepared for what it was going to be like? Did it change your life a lot when you became a winner on tour? Were you prepared for that?
2: Well, you know, I was not prepared. I, I didn't know. I, I I just knew that I was pretty good, and I knew I could win. And you know, my wife and I had just gotten married in 84. So we were, uh, you know, embarking on a new adventure here. And, uh, and so I just, I, I knew that, you know, I was a good golfer. That's what I knew. And I, and, and we just went out and, you know, back in the day, it, it, it sounds like I'm such a geezer, but I mean, it was, it was so back in the day, a uh, couple examples, for instance, um, through our, Having kids and stuff, we actually took thirteen pieces of luggage uh on a plane at one time. Can you imagine wow. nowadays doing something like that? I know it so uh but to answer your question no you know i I don't know if you're ever prepared I, I I think maybe some guys are that expect to win i I just never expected to win. I always thought I was good enough to win. I worked pretty hard, and I'm a pretty good golfer, but you know, so is everyone else. So, you know, you you need the stars to line up a little bit, uh, and you need to have a nice week of luck, and you need to be on the ball, and you have to be, you know, your biorhythms have to be on, and you have to be mentally prepared, and all the cliche things that go along with it. Uh, but I, I don't think I was ever ready, and then all of a sudden, that's a weird thing about golf is each, whether you're ready or not, when that last putt sinks by somebody, it's over. So you go from a a four or five hour period of, or, or more because you're on the range to maybe a six or seven hour, uh, intense mental, uh, grind. And then when it ends, it ends with a putt, either your putt, somebody else's putt, uh, but it's over. So, uh, I don't know if you prepared. I, I mean, I never prepared myself for the victory speech or um, what I was going to say or what I was going to feel. I just wanted to play, and, um, and and then all of a sudden it happened. And, you know, one of my favorite uh, things to say in life is when you least expect it, things happen. When you expect it doesn't seem to happen, but when you least expect it, is when it shows itself, and I think in that point, I I think I, if if I remember right, I had missed five cuts in a row, but I really liked my game, and and it was like, my wife is going, you you sure you like it? (laughs) It's good, because you keep missing the cuts here, and I'm like the same, I'm going, "Ah, I thought I was, I feel pretty good, but, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like I said, that not just the stars align you just become into that that place and if you're comfortable in that place uh then great and and i found that i was comfortable in uh, i found more fun in being in the hunt than out of the hunt and i think during that week of my first win i think i realized i really like this Uh, i like that feeling it doesn't it it drives me gives me a tickle that I've been looking for. So uh, it wasn't just the win, it was being in the hunt and and then being able to close the door on it obviously is unbelievable. But uh, yeah, yeah. I hope that answers that.
1: Yeah, it does. So let's fast forward a year because you win again the following year at the Hardee's Golf Classic. So did that validate for you and, and, and for everybody else for that matter? that was playing out on tour that 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 previous win it wasn't a fluke and you belonged at the you know not only on tour but you belonged amongst the guys that uh, could win week in or week out at that point
2: yeah i without a doubt Chris, uh i will tell you and, and i i don't mean to belittle or or anything on my anheuser-busch plastic that was an incredible win i will never forget my first win it was unbelievable but i will tell you to me the second win validates the first win a little bit more and uh as a player you you i, I don't think we ever think we're lucky uh but as a player you you kind of are saying you know even if you thought it was lucky the first time well i did it again so am i lucky again so you're you're kind of uh you're kind of uh Pounding your chest a little bit, I guess, and saying, I I am here. I am here and I am here to stay. So anybody that thought I was lucky the first time, yeah, well I'm back again. That's what I felt. I'm not I don't know if everybody felt that way, but I really did feel like the second win on tour validated so much in my mind that
1: I wasn't just a
2: lucky winner, I was a multiple winner. And that That changed my life quite a bit,
1: and after that Hardee's classic, uh the Buick Open was the next tournament the following week, but you decided to go back to your home state and play in the Colorado open instead and i and I read it might not have been uh, a popular decision amongst everybody not to go to the next you know event on tour to go back to Colorado. Talk about why you decided to go play there as, as, instead of going on to the Buick Open.
2: Well, that's such a nice question, bud. Um, You know, uh, I live in Colorado at the time. I had committed to the Colorado Open. I had just won a tour event. It's a big deal for me to go play in the Colorado Open, and I, I knew that. Sure, it would have been a great idea for me to go on and maybe win another tour event. But I had made a commitment to my home state, of their open. And I talked about it with my wife, talked about it with my agent, and it was unanimous. There's one thing to do here, and that is to come home, play in the Colorado Open, honor my commitment, and answer every question everyone has to ask and do everything I can to make that Colorado Open uh, more special than the other. it was. I, I mean, I, I gave a lot of thought to that because you know, selfishly, you're going. shit, I got stuff going on here. I, I want to go. I want to go play, and I want to continue and extend my streak and stuff. But there, there's times that you just need to do the right thing, and that was the right. That was the right thing to do, for sure. And <laughs> who would have thought it? But I won, so it, it really. And then I gave half my check to uh, Craig Hospital. So it, it became a uh, what a great decision, as it turns out. Again, hindsight, uh, it turned out to be a great decision in our community, and for the tournament, and for Craig Hospital. So it was it was an awesome time.
1: Take that a half a step further, Mark. Talk about Craig Hospital and your special attachment to it.
2: Well. You know what? When we moved to Colorado, you know, you're always trying to get involved in the community. And I, I'm not a, I'm not a big boisterous guy that says, hey, and blows the horns and everything. Look at me, what I'm doing here. We just did things in a subtle way. And that's my wife and I. That's the way we roll. Uh, so, in fact, um, I just was, I was, I couldn't believe the money. For one thing, I, I was so young. And in looking back, I couldn't believe the money you could make for certain uh, foundations and/or charities through playing golf. I just couldn't get over it. And uh, to be able to to honor Craig Hospital in a way that they were one of the sponsors of the golf tournament, and me and and listen, being a resident and, and part of the community made a big difference to Kathy and I. We just wanted to be involved. So. Uh, it, it turned out to be um, we we just were honored and you know when I when I did it I won the tournament and did all the fanfare and all the stuff you do after and then I actually went in I don't know an hour or so after the event went into the tournament uh, trailer and, and told them what I'd like to do and they they couldn't believe it and there was no media around because they had all left and I said. This isn't about the media, this is just about helping, so Mark it was it was a special time for sure,
1: Mark, one more before I let you go and i and I want to get uh, a playing lesson from you because you're such a wonderful instructor of the game now and and for those of us that are struggling with short range puts, maybe we've got the yips, whatever it might be, talk about what we can do. In order to make more of those, you know, four or five footers, those sort of knee knockers that we need to make, how can we shave some strokes off our scores by thinking more of those putts?
2: Well, you know, we all know that it comes down to that, right? That's how golf is. It comes down to that little knee knocker, no matter how long it is. Some people are good at two feet and they're bad at three feet. Some people don't like four footers. Some people don't like eight footers, whatever your case is. Uh, there's just you know there's some mental preparation that goes into this. Nothing is easy, um, but it, you you know I I have I'm 63 now. I have hit uh, I don't even know how many putts. I'm a, I love putting. I'm a great putter, um, and I love the that part of the game. I love that uh, I can save myself always. So if I can get the ball around the course and keep it inbounds and out of the water, I'm probably going to have a pretty good round because I can chip and putt. So, uh, my mind was always on, if I get it to a certain point, I know how to execute. And I, I think people, uh, because, and maybe because of watching TV, they put so much emphasis on putts and what they mean. And I, I had a, a coach of mine who's a dear friend of mine Tommy Sanderson who when I was a youngster said why'd well, you take that much time on that putt on 4 than you did on 5 and I said well I really wanted to make it on 4 and he said don't you really want to make them all and that stuck with me pretty hard and he's right I want to make them all so I treat every putt I don't put a value on, on putt I don't I don't Say that this is for a bogey or a birdie or an eagle or a double or a ten or whatever. It's just this putt. And if we if it, if we boil it down to say let's just say it's a six foot putt. And don't you want to make all of your six foot putts regardless of what they mean at the end? Doesn't yes. matter what they're for. I just want to make that six footer. So I became. Uh, entrenched in this idea of making these six footers, and I, I never, I can promise you, in all of my tournaments I played, never was I over a putt thinking what it was for, ever, ever. I always thought, I want to make this putt because I'm a good putter, and this is a six foot putt. It's an eight foot putt. It's a four foot putt. Whatever, I'm a good putter. I don't ever want to miss this. And I don't care what it's for. I may have hit five balls out of bounds and it's for a 13. I still want to make that putt at the end. So I think, I think, you know, in all the proams I've played, as you know, Chris, for years and years and years and years in pro ams, I do see amateurs put value on the end. And I'm like, yeah, the value is I want to make this. I don't I don't care what it gives me. I want to make it regardless what it gives me because it's, I want people to say great putt. It doesn't matter what it was for. It was a great putt. So I'm hoping that answers your question.
1: It absolutely does. Mark, before I let you go, like I mentioned, you're a wonderful instructor now, and you're out in Scottsdale, Arizona. For people anywhere near there that would love to come and get a lesson from you, talk about how they can do it. Well, the best
2: way is to go to my website because that has all my information on it, and that is markwebegolf.com. Thank you, Chris, for for that. Uh, You know, you can get my website. I think even my phone number is on there, so if you have any questions, uh, I'm teaching here in the Valley. Love it. Uh, I, I do not have one place yet that I'm teaching. I'm looking for that. So if that were to come about, that would be fantastic. I've done a couple clinics in a couple uh private outings here in the Valley and love what I'm doing. I uh, love sharing the things I've learned over the years. And uh, I, I, I don't have a method to my madness. I just, I just feel like I could make you do the lower score. And that's, that's kind of my catchphrase. It's, you know, if you want to get better, come and see me. I can make you better.
1: Well, Mark, you uh, coming and being a part of this show now nine times has made this show better. So I know you can make people's golf games better. I can't thank you enough for your friendship and your support. You are just one of the absolute gems on this planet. I can't thank you enough for uh, coming back and being a part of the show again tonight. And I'm uh, already looking forward to show number 10.
2: You're awesome, Chris. I I, I I just enjoy being with you, and you ask great questions, and, and I love the conversation. So thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely.
1: Mark, stay safe out there, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up again soon. See you, Mark. All right, bud. That's the great Mark Wiebe. So, folks, and W-I-E-B-E is the spelling of his last name. So markwiebegolf.com is his website. Um, you're anywhere near Scottsdale, you want to take your game to the next level, go see a major champion and let him work on your game because he's going to get you there. Absolutely. What a fantastic uh, individual Mark is and a great player and an even greater teacher. So uh, you've got it all there, right? Total package. Great guy, great teacher, great player. He's going to help you out. So looking forward to catching up with Mark again, hopefully real soon. All right, my friends, it is time for us to put a bow on this episode of Next on the T. My sincere thanks again to Olin Brown, Matthew Lawrence, and Mark Weeby for joining me. Please check out our website, nextonthet.net to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. And we are down to our final show of 2020, and that's going to be next week. So, And we're going to go out in style now uh, by being joined by our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. Of course, we're going to go out with TP. Uh, Former tour player Nick O'Hearn will be back on the show, as will former NHL star and celebrity tour champion Dan Quinn. Dan, a great friend of the show, former Penguin, played for a lot of different organizations in the NHL, and then a a great golfer, went out on the celebrity tour and uh, won many, many times. So looking forward to having Dan back as part of the show as well. Folks, you can stream this show as a podcast on a number of great sites and apps, like Podcast.co, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm, Radio.com. We're on Amazon Music now. So if you've got a favorite podcasting site, we're likely on it. Just do a, a search for next on the T. And, folks, as always, I can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show tonight. We really appreciate the fact that you are continuing to make us a part of your golfing content. Until next week, my friends, hit 'em straight.
0: This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.